What is up, everybody? My name is Chad Brock. And I'm Zach Bailiff. You're watching the 37th edition of The Orion Podcast. Cowbell, but with chatterbait, more chatterbait. I like I it. Liked it. it was something different. Something different. Like felt it. right. Felt right in the moment. Oh man, gosh, what a night! Busy week, busy week, busy week. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's pay them bills here first, then we'll talk about the busy week, busy two weeks, busy month. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, thanks to Jackson Kayak. I can never get it right. It's all reversed. It bothers me. So, it's over there somewhere. Thanks to, Jackson. Thanks to Jackson Kayak. Thanks to Orion Coolers for everything that you do for us. Um, we appreciate the heck out of you. P- guys, if you're looking for an Orion Cooler, pick yourself up one. JacksonKayak.com. They're actually selling like hotcakes right now. Uh, we have to up the production a little bit to get more coolers out the door. So Orion Rocks. At jacksonkayak.com. Save yourself 5%. Pick you up a new cooler. You deserve it. You've been working hard. The holidays might be over for the summer, but you got the big family holidays coming up, and you know you need a good cooler for Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. You need a good cooler. Get yourself one. Jacksonkayak.com. Um, casting. Thanks to Casting keeping us casting. Uh Good experience with those rods. We'll get into that later. Been small mouthing with them and digging every minute of it. Um, yeah, so big shout out to the folks at Cast King. And then, of course, Basco Fishing. All the cool swag that you could ever need. Bascofishing.com. Um, get over there. Get you a new faded shirt. They got the, you know, the 90s fade, like the old lowrider trucks. Get your top, top shirts black. It fades out to gray at the bottom. They look cool. I came up with it, so you should go get one. It's just a given. Mm-hmm. Um, Zebra Lithium. Shout out to them guys for keeping us powered. Um, those batteries have been killer all year long. Um, we put them through the paces, charging them, using them pretty much every weekend from about the end of February on. Um, and those batteries have been hitting right. Um, they've not given up on us yet, and we absolutely love what uh, Z Pro has done for us uh, as far as keeping us powered. So, yeah, head over to ZProLithium.com. Grab yourself a new battery. Um, got a couple more coming. You're going to be excited about this, Zach. We might have, we might have, might have some trolling motor batteries. Ooh. Might have some trolling motor batteries on that. That, that, could, get, on, that could get fishy. 
that could get interesting. We might push the limits of our sanity, but that's okay. That's what we do best. So yeah, thanks to thanks to all the great companies that make the Orion podcast possible. We appreciate the heck out of you and to Chatterbait Music. More cowbell, more Chatterbait. Um, also got a uh, got an oscillator here. We make a different sound even more. I don't know yeah. with that. I don't either. No. Yeah. So we are, we had a guest on tonight. Our guest came down with COVID. Um, so with that being said, you're not allowed to say that word. The vid come down with the vid. Um, so yeah, we're soloing it again tonight for the next big lesson in this is the ADHD podcast. Cat, this, is, this is cat wrangling specialist with Chad and Zach. Do you think there is one? A cat wrangling specialist? I don't know. but that's Somebody Google that for us in, uh, in the comments and let us know. I can't Google it right now, but I would like to know <laughs> if there's truly a cat wrangling specialist out there. This sounds interesting. <laughs> sounds like a job. Oh yeah. So one dude, of them California getting... one of them California jobs. It's something. It's something. Cat wrangling specialist. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with it, but I like it. I don't know. Um so you got man, you're counting down the days at this point. Um, yeah, we're less than two weeks kind of, out. Less than two, two weeks, weeks out. out. We, should, we should have popped Evan on. Um, so how's the planning going? How's the hunt looking? And refresh everybody's memory on where you're heading again. Uh, well, in terms of popping Evan on, I'm, I'm sure he is on dad duty because he's been going for a week straight on a hunt in Idaho. Um, so he's probably paying his dues from being gone for a week. But no, we, uh, fly out a week from this friday i fly out uh to salt lake jump in with him and then we're driving to colorado we'll be in the back country in colorado for 10 days ideally less if we tag out quickly um and now this is an is this a unit goal. you guys have been in before or is this a new unit for you guys no this is a a new unit for us we've got a little bit of intel on it um just from buddies of ours that have been in this unit it's an over-the-counter unit so typically i mean when we've hunted this side of the state in the past three four five years we've always drawn uh the unit we were looking to get into so in 19 it was an over-the-counter unit and then 2020 they changed it over to a draw unit and we actually we drew it in 2020 and 21 and did not get lucky enough to do so this year so we tried the secondary draw came up short um and over the counter it was so that's uh that's what we're doing so probably going to be a little bit tougher unless we can really get in some elk on the border of that unit and the unit next to it which is a draw unit um mm -hmm. there are a few ridges and drainages there that they will cross back and forth into so hopefully we can dig in there and get into a whole mess of them and fill three tags and get on out of there it's one of those How's things the, it's, uh, it's bittersweet right you you know you waited all year to get in there you don't want to be over too quick but you also don't want to no, eat, no, tag, you eat wanna... tag soup at the end of the week so 
No, and, and you don't want the stress either, really, of of pushing there to the last minute and, you know, riding the fine line of are we going to get it done? I mean, that, that puts stress on everybody. And, yeah. you know, when you're in a camp like that, you can, get some, you can get a little chippy, especially everybody starts getting grouchy when it's coming down to the wire. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of, you know, just like you and I go on fishing, it's you gotta you've gotta find a, a good hunting partner. Um, somebody that's gonna stay mm-hmm. positive, you know, even in the the tough times or the stressful times. And I think, you know, he and I have been pretty good partners in, in the in the wilderness the last eight years now. Um mm-hmm. so it's it's always good when you got somebody that stays positive and keeps the energy high and you know, always says yes when it comes to you know we heard a bugle three ridges over are we going or we stay and there's never a question we're always going so mm-hmm. it's uh it's always good to have that and somebody you can count on to show up when you need them to it's yeah, not absolutely. always the easiest thing to find these days how have you have you been able to gauge the terrain any at all compared to um, the previous units that you've been able to hunt um you feel like it's going to be pretty much the same or are you looking for something maybe a little bit you think it's going to be maybe a little bit different Oh, it'll be, it'll be real similar. So it's, it's in the same mountain range. Um, so we're in the San Juans. It is, um, it actually borders on one side of the unit that we've hunted the past three times we've been out there. So it's going to be really, really similar in terrain. And then with apps like Onyx and their 3D, you know, 3D mapping now, it's, it's really good at giving you an idea of what you're getting into before you get there. Cool. And, you know, so how much being in a open unit like that do you feel like i mean when you're out in colorado you've got people running up and down the roads obviously um especially mm-hmm. those pulling campers in pulling four-wheelers in just running everywhere how much do you feel like that's going to be a factor for you know doing a doing an open over-the-counter tag hunt yeah i mean it kind of depends on the unit and depends on the area you get into so it's kind of the trick, especially when you're in an over-the-counter unit, because obviously it's going to get the most pressure. Um, this is the last year for Colorado to have unlimited over-the-counter tags, so I'm not even sure what the next couple of years look like as far as if you don't draw, are you still going to be able to get a hold of a an over-the-counter tag? Because, you know, them, they were the mm-hmm. last state standing as far as uh, unlimited over-the-counter tags for non-residents. So that's going away. Um, but you've got all the recreational folks to deal with, you know, between hikers and mountain bikers and campers and so it's kind of a balancing act in finding roads that give you access to the areas you want to get into without killing yourself to get there yet mm-hmm. being far enough away and off the beaten path enough that you're not going to get a whole lot of whole lot of traffic um right so the, mean, the, you know can... the you know we've hunted in the past has got a super popular hiking trail going through it and i mean we've killed bulls in there several times and you know, past people hiking in and out and things like that. So you're, you know, you're more than likely going to see somebody, but it's just a matter of how much pressure is in there. Your, uh, this is a good one too. Talking about the other night, you had your, uh, you had your Instagrams. Uh, it was the Huntley Instagram. Um, uh-huh. You had popped up the old, uh, the horse pack out pictures. And I love those because those were, oh, yeah. those were some cool pictures. Are you, I mean, what are the chances? You guys get lucky, knock a couple of good bulls down, and then you've got, you know, these nice people that just happen to stroll by to help you get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
so that was a situation it all boils down to timing right so that year yeah. we killed two bulls in 37 hours mm -hmm. we had just got my bull out the night before got him back to the truck drove to town grabbed a big pizza crushed that went back to the trailhead he hiked in and i took my bull to the processor um, which was about an hour and 10 minutes one way so i got mm -hmm. back to the trailhead it was almost midnight so i just hunkered down in the car went to sleep the idea was to get up at like six o'clock start hiking my way in and, and meet him kind of where we were going to start hunting that morning and uh i got a phone call i was literally putting my socks on and got a phone call and he had that bull down um it had, mm -hmm. he'd woke up let a little locate bugle from camp that bull sounded off over the hill and started coming right to him so it was it was down in no time and uh so i got things strapped up got in there we got him broke down got him back to camp that night and then we started weighing our options because i had a flight out not the next day but the day after that early in the morning and Oof. we knew we knew where we were at just shuttling loads out and then having to come back in for camp it was going to take us almost 16 17 hours to get him out to the truck and then we had to drive back to colorado so it was a it was a matter of and that was literally the last packers that we were able to get a hold of and luckily they were in there we had him out in 45 minutes it was like a two and a half hour hike in there and it took us 45 minutes to get out we were hauling if you guys are watching it on the on the live stream you can see i'm popping up some of these pictures here um from that hunt that you guys can check out uh let's see so yeah there's the there's the that's horse. one of that's one of my favorite photos i've ever taken like i i like them all i think these are all phenomenal pictures that you've taken on that trip you like that one yeah it's there's just, some good ones just, in there so that one good. if you guys remember adam bender adam bender mm -hmm. has got i mean like most of us he's got a pretty tight circle right so the guys who he's pretty close with he has given them these pals coins Mm -hmm. And that that is one that he had given to Evan years ago. And it's actually carved into a piece of antler. It's got Adam's initials mm -hmm. in it. And then on the other side, it says pals. So that was a pretty cool moment to see Evan kind of pull that out. We got to send that text off to Adam after that bull was down. That was a good one, man. I I, I seen those pictures the other day and I had to pop them on here and show yeah. them off. Yeah, those are all those from 2019. Are... There's a, there's an article I wrote. I think it was literally called Two Bulls in 37 Hours. Uh, I think it, I wrote it for Easton um, after mm -hmm. that hunt. So if you, I think if you Google that title, it'll come up and it's kind of got the whole story, the whole thing. But it, uh, no, that was a good one. It would be great if that happens again. There's three of us this time. So ideally, we get a bull down we can get it out one trip with three of us but my uh my Should little bull good, my little bull in 2019 evan and i packed it out in one trip by ourselves that was a that was a rough one because <laughs> if you remember what my feet looked like that year my oh, boots yeah. and my feet were not agreeing so it uh that alone was a mental grind Let's see here. So, as far as the bow you're taking this year, 
Um, let's talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, it's actually upstairs tonight. Uh, I had a. I think I got the yeah. right one. Boom! That the right one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is the VTM thirty-one from Hoyt. So it's a little smoke show. It's shooting a fairly heavy arrow. I mean, a not ridiculously heavy arrow. I don't know how much folks out there know, but it's five hundred grains, which is, in my opinion, pretty middle of the road. That's. I mean, I've been. 490 to 515 grains for the last seven or eight years. That's just kind of where my arrows always fall. Um, not over the top heavy, but that bow's still shooting a 500 grain arrow at 300 feet a second. So it's it's cooking. Um, it's a little shorter than what I'm used to, axle to axle, but it's it's really stable. It's I've got it balanced well. It's set up different than that is there. That's one of the images I did for Hoyt for the the launch of that bow last fall. Um, it's actually, it's got, it's got different everything on it. Uh, got a different quiver, different sight, different rest, different stabilizers. It's still shooting. Well, it's about to be shooting a different arrow too. Um, <laughs> but it's dialed in. I was, I was outside playing with it tonight. I, I pulled an ounce off the front bar yesterday, um, uh, which made a big difference. It tightened my groups up at, you know, 70 yards. So. Bumped it back to 85% let off. Uh, for those who don't know, Colorado for years and years and years and years and years had an 80% let off rule on their max let off. Um, so that was that was always, you know, had to make sure you had that detail crossed off. But now they've bumped it up to 85%, which is nice. Because that's what most of your bows now come factory as. So it's a little more comfortable to shoot at that, at that let off. That can be important. That's a, definitely an important note. I mean, you know, you watch a lot of the hunting shows and you see, you know, the light of knocks and the different things and uh -huh. all that that's done filming, but and expandable broadheads and, and so on. But when you go out west to some of these places, um, it's always good to check the rules because some of that stuff, yeah. like the light of knocks and expandable broadheads, isn't necessarily allowed. Some of the regs have been around for, you know, 50, 60, 75 years, and they've just never got around to changing them. Uh, you know, for a long time, Idaho, when I went out there, they had stipulations on it had to be a fixed blade broadhead. It had to be a certain shape. It could not come back past the, the blade could not angle back past the end of the carbon shaft. There was all kinds of little stipulations on that. Um, Colorado, about three or four years ago, finally started allowing lighted knocks. If you want to run those, um, I still don't for certain reasons um, but i think they are a great tool as far as you know being able to especially on film you know see the impact know where the impact was made know where the animal mm -hmm. is standing different things like that so there, there are a lot of benefits to them but as far as like fitment weight consistency accuracy there's just not one out there that i'm comfortable with running right now um electronics on your bow no electronics on your bow in Colorado, so no sight light. I don't even attach a GoPro to my bow because I don't know if that will be construed as electronics on your bow or not. Um, so we don't do any of that out there. But And then, obviously, the let-off rule, so that changed now, which I'm thankful for because that bow is definitely more comfortable to shoot at 85% than it was at 80. It was, being that it's 83 and a half pounds, it was really getting aggressive on me at... 80% let off. You wouldn't think 5% would make a big difference, but it it kind of takes the valley out of that draw cycle 
and just you're right on the peak of it it seems like when you're at anchor and it's just this wanting to go all the time and you know i mean you know some of the dual cambos that we've shot especially as the dual cam i guess really you could say that the biggest part of our archery beginnings are the part of the really big dual cam revolution because it was always solo cam and and all that before and then psc hoyt and some of them really started pushing the dual cam and yeah. some of those early bows man they'd rip your arm off like if you just kind of crept just a little you had a little bit of that creep and especially I mean, this well and especially early because it was the speed bows that they were putting that dual cam on mm -hmm. and the speed bows were notorious for that even the hoyt the turbos for a long time mm -hmm. up until about three years ago the turbos were really bad and then and then they kind of changed things a little bit and three or four years ago they started getting some turbos that were a lot more comfortable to shoot but mm -hmm. i mean with the speed of most of them now you just i would rather shoot the bow i have now at 83 pounds than i would a turbo at 72 or 73 pounds it's just a more comfortable yeah. setup and i'm getting the same speeds I went shopping again the other day. I got online. It came up in conversation again at the office. Uh, <laughs> there was so there is uh, several 3D targets um, out around the field. Uh, oh yeah. Basically, yeah. He he still has all the uh, targets that he bought at the last uh, I when the IBO finally oh, yeah. left Bedford yeah. and all the McKenzie targets. Yeah, he still got them all. Um, and he went and set up like twenty of them the other day. He's like, oh, you need to go get a bow and you need to come shoot with us. I'm like. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. So I started shopping. I started yeah. shopping again. And it is, you know, you're talking about, you know, the brace height and, and the axle to axle. Man, it's hard to find what a feller likes anymore, especially like for me, I'm going to 27 and a half, 27 mm -hmm. to 28, really comfortable at a 27 and a half inch of draw. So to find a bow that dimensionally fits my draw length and to shoot well, it's getting harder and harder because I like 32. I like a 32 and a seven inch brace height. Yeah. But that's almost unheard of. 32 is getting harder and harder to find. I mean, I even noticed cruising through the Hoyt line. Um, yeah. That 31 is the closest it? you're going to get to a 32. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I've got. It's like 31 and the 16th or something. Um, brace height's not even a conversation anymore. Nobody looks huh. at it. Nobody talks about it. It's not even a feature that is marketed. It's still there in the specs, but nobody pays attention to it. Um, mm -hmm. Axle to axle anymore is not even, that's not even an accurate measurement. So they've started going off what they call a cam over measurement from the mm -hmm. outside of the cam to the outside of the cam. Because the cams are so large, right. it really opens up the string angle. So like for me, I'm still super duper comfortable in a 34 inch axle to axle or the ultra from Hoyt um my carbon bow upstairs is an ultra and that thing is a dream for me to shoot my head's extremely vertical just everything fits well the bow sits well mm -hmm. it's just geometrically it's made for me a lot more than this 31 now i can shoot the 31 pretty well but i don't shoot it as well as my ultra now mm -hmm. i'm a 29 and a half inch draw you being two inch shorter on draw length that mm -hmm. 31 would probably fit you extremely well no oh, yeah and you're going to gain some speed out of it over a 34 because traditionally the 34 is slower than the shorter axle to axle bows. It's just how 
the specs work out. Um, so the one that I was looking at the other day online, and I thought this was actually still a really good price point, Bo. Um, it may not be the top of the line, but it does show you that there are still some bows out there that are relatively affordable in that price range, and that's the Torix, the Hoyt Torix. Yeah, was I think it was seven ninety nine. Yeah, the Torix so isn't priced bad. Yeah, the Torix isn't priced too awful bad. It's you know it's not a pro series bow. Um, you mm-hmm. don't get the the roller guard for the cables. You don't get the same limb pockets. You don't get some of the pro series features, but it's still a really good shooting bow, and it comes in at a much nicer price than mm-hmm. a fourteen hundred dollar mainline bow. Well, and if you like that bow and that setup, it looks like you can go with the XT and, you know, bump it up a couple hundred bucks. And you do get some of those features that, you know, you might be looking for. And it's still, for a couple hundred bucks, a really nice bow, from what I can tell. Dimensions are a little bit different, but. Yeah, and that's if you're looking, you know, if you're looking at a new one, there are, with with TAC and some of the events out there, there are a lot of guys that are building brand new rigs every year and decking uh-huh. them out completely. And then they're turning around, they're upgrading again the very next year, whether or not they need to, they just enjoy spending the money um, from what I can tell and just being around the tack crowds, but the used market, if you know what you're looking for, if you're paying attention to how well things have been taken care of, you can get some really good deals on some one-year-old bows. And that's yeah. if, if I was not in the position that I am in, that is the route that I would be going. And I'd probably be looking at two-year-old bows. And, and some of your pro shops even have some decent trade-in sometimes too. I think, you know, that's that's something to always mention. I mean, we talk about it a lot in the kayak world. But, um, you know, visit visit your local pro shops because, I mean, they're fewer and further between than they used to be. But, man, they're still an important part of getting yeah. set up proper and getting set up. So Yeah, I mean, especially if you don't. If you don't have a setup like I have here in my, I mean, I have a pro shop here in my basement. I've got everything I could possibly need to work on a bow and not everybody does and not everybody's got the skills to do so. Uh, So yeah, pro shops still have a very, very important place in, you know, in the market and just Mm -hmm. being able to go in there and get your stuff worked on by somebody that's knowledgeable. Now, that being said, not all pro shops are created equal. No. but if you have a, a good shop or, you know, need recommendations for a good shop, there's definitely some very top-notch places out there to get your stuff worked on. Absolutely. Um, I, I see check. you down there, Jason Cassidy. So, yes, Carl is headed out there with Brandon. And, yes, Brandon and I have talked about possibly getting together in the future for an elk hunt. Um, he and I were and actually podcast. chatting there. He and I were actually chatting to Arrows the other day, and he was like, we should roll that into a podcast. And I'm like, well, you should mention that. Um, so we're working on that. We haven't we haven't got the schedules lined out yet, but we're working on that. Yeah. And eventually, yeah. eventually the stars will align, and, and yeah. that will hopefully happen. September um, is a busy time when you start talking about elk and all the deer seasons and everything opening up. There's a lot of guys on the road right now. Well, I think, man you hit September and pretty much all the way through the holiday season and new year's day. It's, it's busy. Yeah. It's yeah. Busy. I mean, September, October, November, especially because you know, you're rolling out of mule deer, mm-hmm. well, pronghorn and mule deer and elk season into whitetail. And then it gets peaker up for whitetail and 
Mm-hmm. It's just it's a tough time to schedule anything. Which is why you get it to really... listen to Chad and I chase squirrels for an hour. Yeah, because we enjoy it, really. Well, that and too. We have to do something with our time. I think. I think when I told. I think when I told my wife our guest had to cancel. She and we, you and I, were going to roll solo. She said, uh, "Haven't you guys run out of things to talk about?" And I just laughed. No, there's. I mean, there's always something. <laughs> we're always into something stupid that will occupy our time for at least an hour, at mm-hmm. least at minimum. I mean. Oh yeah. And it, you know, it just is where it's at. Yeah. But no, man, I'm excited. I'm excited for you and Evan to get out there and, and get this thing done, man. I think I think it's gonna be a good year. Man, I hope so. We're due for one. Poor Evan. He's yeah. uh he's sicker than a dog right now. He he hit one. Uh I don't even know if he want me telling this, but he hit a bull. What's today? Today's Tuesday. I think mm-hmm. it was Saturday night or Sunday night. It might have been Sunday night. Uh, it was it was a long shot, which not a big deal for him. But somehow, if his rangefinder marked something other than the bull or what, but it ranged him long, and he ended up hitting him. I don't know, probably twelve inches high, which sounds ridiculous. But an elk is a very large target. Um, mm-hmm. Hit him high enough. He should have still caught both lungs, so it should have been a lethal hit and might have been but from the time he hit him the whole next day it was pouring rain um so any blood that was hitting the ground on that high of a hit was getting washed away which is never good um then you're left to yeah then you're left to trying to track and grid search and it's just not a good situation um that's that's not a situation anybody ever wants to be in especially with rain that that adds a lot of frustrations to any any outdoorsman that's out there doing that. I mean, rain you is hunt not long, you hunt, No, and if you hunt long enough, I mean, situations like that are going to happen, and it's never never easy to follow. But I I remember I hit a bull in 2018, and luckily it was low enough. We were finding fresh blood 24 hours later. Like it just it wasn't a lethal hit. Uh, it was down in the brisket underneath the heart. Didn't hit anything vital. It was just low enough. He was still kind of bleeding every time he'd lay down and roll around on it and stuff. So we found fresh blood 24 hours later, right back in the same spot where I hit him. Hmm. So he had actually came back to that spot, which is wild. Um, but yeah, he was he was fine. He was not hurt. Elk or elk are crazy tough animals. Um, but. It happens. It's part of the process, unfortunately. Well, here's to a good season. I, I think it's gonna it's gonna pan out, and you know, then you got whitetail season coming back here, which you guys have put in some work yeah. for that. If you guys yeah. follow the hunt, I, you know, uh, you've finally seen the reels. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I got a couple of photos of a nine point last night. I've been seeing he's about 140, 140 to 145 inches. So he's mm-hmm. not number one. He's not number one on the hit list, but he's he's got my interest peak for sure. I think he's about four years old. Well, you know, based on the time crunch and the schedule, it's not a bad thing to have a backup plan. No, but I'm holding out for November 13th to see if I can see Lucky. I got a lot of history with that deer so far. I need to close. I need to close the book on that one. It'll be here before you know it. I, I I've been down that road, and 
I waited. I waited too long. Yeah, I mean, you got to shoot the one that trips out. your trigger. You got to shoot the one that trips your trigger. But yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. He's got a very consistent pattern the last two, three years. So brings back memories. Yeah, <laughs> that was a tough yeah. one. I mean just to preface the story uh you know there was there was there's this deer that i was just i got obsessed with it i really did and we'd seen it you know like three times and he was just you know you go left he goes right i mean it was just one of those deals and you know finally one fine fall morning here he comes walking down through there and it just happened to be the opening weekend of uh the other season and I didn't have a good shot. I, I seen him. I was archery hunting, and he just happened to stop in a in a pile of brush. And it was like there was no there was no shot. There was just no way that that moment could happen. And it was just like, oh my gosh! And I watched him turn, and, and he walks down the hill, and I see him hop the fence, and you know he goes across. The, we've got a I had a railroad track down there and he walked right past another one of my stands that I could have been in. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm shaking, I'm shook up. It's like, Oh my gosh, finally got, it was so close and it just didn't happen. Not today. I'll set up here again later. And probably not 15 minutes later, I hear this ringing echo blare out through the woods. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that's it. That is mm-hmm. it. And I walk down, I jump out of my stand. I'm hustling down the hill because I'm like, that was close. That was, I could hear it. It was close. And I literally see two dudes pick him up and throw him over the fence. And yeah, yeah that's how that story went. So that was yeah. fun. You know, so that's the, the really bad part about november right so yep. calling that buck lucky he shows up on the 13th every year 13th of november but gun season comes in on the 14th or 15th so i mean you are playing with matches at that point and yeah i mean the number of hunters in the woods on opening day of gun season from both season to gun season just i mean tenfold yeah it's uh it's crazy i mean how much how much impact or impression goes into the woods once that season starts. I mean, cause you will see deer start to move a little bit earlier into October as you know, just bow hunters take to the woods. You start to see them on the roads and different things more, but you know, you really start to see a lot more animals on the roads getting impacted. Um, once that season starts because and it has to do with the rut too i mean they're really up and moving around on their feet more but they're also getting a lot of pressure so it's pushing the deer and you know it's just there's a lot bigger impression on the on the wooded areas than there normally is once that season starts yeah yeah no it's a combination of of both of the two for sure and you know the buck i killed in 2015 Mm -hmm. i killed him well I mean, it was opening morning gun season. I was sitting in the tree with my bow and shots have been ringing out all morning long and about 1030, 10, 1030, all your gun hunters start going home because mm-hmm. they're cold, they're froze out, going to go home and eat lunch. And, you know, I'm there for the duration. I'm planning to sit in the tree all day long and 11 o'clock, a doe brought my target buck by and 
was all she wrote. So it was, you know, after everybody else had gone home, she got him up and away they went and she led him down her own path. But it, uh, it worked out for me. And, you know, I mean, that's that time of year. You just, you never know. And a never lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the big buck movement I've seen happens between like 11 and two o'clock, mm-hmm. you know, they get up, they cruise midday grab a bite to eat before they bed down a little bit in the afternoon and then get up later in the evening. So yeah, I don't like to go home that time of year. If I go, mm-hmm. if I'm going out, especially, I mean, my time out there is finite anyway. So if I head to the woods, I'm planning on being there all day. Me and Reed always gauged it off of who's gets miserable first and nobody ever wanted to. Uh, I remember, man, it was, it was New Year's day and it was miserable. It was like below zero. Yeah. We couldn't have pulled our bows back if we wanted to. Let's just <laughs> be honest. It was that cold. It was, yeah. it was beyond stupid, but we were out there and <clears throat> we were both freezing to death, but neither one of us could call it. You know, it's like, hey, I ain't, oh, yeah. I'm not going to be the one that calls it. And mm-hmm. we was notorious for that. I mean, we would sit there. We've got been lost in the snow up on the ridges of the Hoosier National Forest. And it started snowing one time. And it was like, I mean, by the time we got up to the top of the ridge, and you've seen the ridge, it's dumb. It's really dumb. I don't know why we ever it was like it was it was a nasty hill. And we we walk up this thing and we get to the top, and I mean, it had snowed so much by the time we got to the top of this ridge that we didn't know where we were anymore. I mean, we completely had got ourselves turned around, but neither one of us were dedicated enough to follow our tracks and turn around and go back down the hill. No, we had to wait it out. So we sat there in the snow till the sun kind of started coming up to where we could figure out where we was at, and then we went and sat in the snow. Yeah finished out the day because we're just stubborn and nobody wants to say, I mean, it's, it's like the man card thing. It's a quiet, it's a quiet man card thing, but I won't uh, even let myself, I won't even let myself quit anymore. It's if I get, if I get that cold to that point, like I'll get down and take a walk to check a trail camera and then come back and get back in the tree. Once I've warmed back up, I'm, I'm not going home. (laughs) I'm I'm, honestly, it's, it's FOMO. I'm a, I'm literally afraid of what I'm going to miss out on if I go back to the house. Because in my head, if I go back to the house, even for an hour, that buck mm-hmm. walked by that tree while I was at home. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, that's just the same thing. Of, that's the same thing we got into with our fishing trip this past weekend. It, it was the exact same thing. It was like, well, yeah. if, I cross, well if I cross this, what's, what's in the next? What's there? in the next hole? Yeah. Well, what's what's behind there and and we've got more pictures so talk a little bit about that and tyler and josh man they were troopers these guys had never done a stupid trip with chad quite like this one so you know our weekend started off there's there's poor josh we made him drag his boat over this big log and it doesn't look like it looks like we could have just rode up on that log and got over it and uh what you don't see is it's super deep on the other side of that. It's probably eight foot deep. And then there's like a little gravel bar that's coming up to it where the gravel is actually silting in over top of the log. So you couldn't get a good run to make it over it. And it was too deep on the other side going the other way. So you would just hit into it and you couldn't really pop the bow up over top of it. But it was, you know, 
stuff like this right here making them drag in shallow water <laughs> <laughs> poor guys it I takes mean, the right it takes the right footwear for that game too like crocs probably ain't gonna uh, cut it real well the rock the creek rocks in your shoes exfoliate your feet it's better than going <laughs> to the spa getting that sand and that grip between your toes and your shoes and just rubbing in there it just it gets it good but you know i mean that's like the same principle i mean like you don't know what you're missing out on if you don't get through that nasty stuff and onto the it's, next spot it's like i, I gotta know I dude, gotta it's know. no different it's no different than the kid on the bank of the farm pond just one more cast just one more cast one more cast. one more if i don't make that that last cast like might not catch that giant no i mean and it was all it's all about a small mouth i mean because obviously i mean that's one of the things me and you have we have been obsessed with finding the hidden spot in the creek that has the biggest small mouth that ever swam yeah in oh that yeah creek. we're obsessed with it we've been obsessed with it for a while give me all it's the brown the fish yeah i mean it's about finding that hidden spot and if we can find it we want to we'll do it the hard way to get to it oh yeah that part don't bother us at all no everything's on the up and up so like we're in the water it's like we don't get out on the bank or nothing we stay in the water and our very yeah, our very just, first adventure you almost broke your ankle yeah i did yeah i thought you was gonna have to carry i i probably <laughs> broke i don't know be yeah my foot was pretty black um <laughs> didn't go to the doctor because you know it's principal um, oh yeah but yeah i mean i thought you just carrying me out on that one to to preface that story that was that was just a bad twist of luck i was walking in the creek and we hit a patch of slick rock and yeah. my foot slipped but when it slipped it got caught in the crevice my the actual sole of my shoe got caught and as i went my foot just totally twisted it was nasty you could hear it it popped um but yeah i thought i thought you was carrying me out on that one but we still caught fish so yeah we didn't at that point because we were in that super hard slick rock bottom and we had to get back to the gravel uh but yeah we needed gravel and we needed gravel bad we but, uh we figured know, the, out not to go that way anymore because there weren't any fish down there anyway but no we ended up riding our bikes down the road and jumped in another spot um <laughs> down from my house in the same creek um, yeah. and there wasn't wasn't good it wasn't really any good rock there either no but, we had to go uh, the other direction yeah so our trip uh our trip over the weekend it was cool um it was it was adventurous uh i think my facebook post said you know it's those little trips like that that keep your the little kid inside of you happy um and that's what it's about i think for both of us is keeping that little kid inside happy but sometimes you're also met with the immovable object um you know we we got down there and come across the a log jam that was probably uh, it was up to the top of the bank and i'd say the bank was a good 12 feet on either side um straight up and down yes did we have ropes yes we could have pulled up that bank but then we also would have been trespassing on somebody's property and that's not part of the game um so we couldn't go over it feasibly without you know trespassing so we stayed in the creek and turned them around and and came back but i got halfway to where i wanted to go but there's still there's still the legend of what's back there that 
makes me want to go back again next year. Um, once hopefully that log jam gets pushed out, I got another crack at it and I can get back there and see if I can't find those hidden holes. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun to do. I mean, I'm probably out for the, the fall at this point, but it would be fun to get in oh, the yeah. creek next summer and, and do that again. It's been a while. It's a, it's a good run back there. And, you know, you really, you know, we had, we had the buy FD Tyler was in the buy FD and it was, it was a perfect boat for it. Um, but he could only pedal in so far before we hit into the, the, the rock and the stuff like that, where he, he was pretty much locked with a paddle in his hand and, you know, yeah. the drive was kicked up, but the boat was still light enough that we could get it up over and do the stuff we needed to do. The Kusa X and the, the by angler was really the perfect two boats to be back there. I mean, it's a paddle trip. I mean, you're paddling six miles back. So, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a good little, it's a good little ride. My shoulders were a little bit sore. It's actually a little bit sore than I anticipated being, um, but you're doing a full body workout. It's, it's the best CrossFit you can do dragging your boat. You're, you're dragging your boat. You're lifting your boat. You're paddling your boat. It's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot going on. I don't know how we got here, but that's where we're at. Um, yeah, I would encourage anybody, you know, get off the beaten path from time to time. I definitely ain't going to take the NAR back there anytime soon. I don't It'd be different doing yet. that trip too. Cause I mean, obviously used to, we used to wait it. It would be different doing that trip on a boat. Oh, it's, it's completely different. You know, the spots that we've waited, I think are, are shallower. I mean, we hit some deep, we've hit some deep holes that we've kind of, we were always good about finding our way through and around the deep holes the best we could to where it wasn't never up over our head, but we definitely got waist deep a few times in some areas. Um, but yeah, I mean, having the boats and getting to go through long, long sections of eight foot deep water, I think made a big difference. And, you know, we're entering, we're entering the stretches off, off bigger water yet. So we're able to come through off deep water, um, off a of main body and put in and, and cruise up through there until we run out of water. And then, you know, the dragon game and getting up over stuff and finding the deeper holes. There's still a lot of paddling, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of lift and love lift yeah. work goes on into it. No. You got to want it to get back there. That's for sure. I think there's a lot of people, you know, would, would tell you the same thing. You, you it's just like hunting in the mountains. You, you've got to want it to go just a little bit further to get to where you want to go. Makes you think about how much weight you're putting in your boat too. A little bit. A little bit. I <laughs> scaled down pretty good. I mean, I didn't take a crate. I used the, for me, I used, I packed it kind of like you would your hunting pack. I scaled it back. I had terminal tackle. I had soft plastics. I had a few hard baits, yeah. um, a couple spinner baits, a couple, couple chatter baits. Um, and it was all in that under seat bag and in a, in a JK multi box. And man, it made it perfect. I had four rods. I could lock them down, keep them horizontal in that Cusack. So I wasn't, I didn't have the rod tips were protected, which me and you always laid them back behind the seat where the tips stuck out. Yeah. So it was nice to have everything protected. So when I'm dragging up over and, and doing the different things like that, it was, everything was good. I mean, everything was packed away and as light as I could possibly get it. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, even, I mean, even for me, I'd probably go a little more Spartan than four rods. I'd probably just take one, maybe two, but. Oh, you need a four. Can't leave any kids at home. <laughs> you gotta have movers and shakers. You gotta have two movers and yeah. two shakers. Yeah. Uh, you might break something. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you could you could scale it back probably. I probably didn't need all of the soft plastics I took. There was probably yeah. some 10 inch worms floating around in a box that you 10 just inch might be a little overkill for the creek. Yeah. Might have been a little overkill. They might have got the bites though. I don't know because I didn't film them. Um, but yeah, for the most part, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the juice got left at home. Um, I bet the I bet the old green pumpkin magic was in the boat though. It was the catcher. Always is. It was the catcher. Green pumpkin magic is a creek catcher. Um, in my opinion, it's just that little bit of flake is just waves at them small mouths as it's falling. It's like, hey, we're over here. We're in the creek. We're little. We're little crawdad. Come eat me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, still the same old stuff that it's always been. I mean, that's what's fun, I think, about creek fishing. You know, it's it's the simple, simple words. Yeah. You don't have to think about it too hard, that's for sure. <clears throat> no, you really don't. I mean, those fish are, those fish have likely never seen a lure. Once you get back so far, um, you get past where the boats go and where most, most other people are going to turn around. You're going to find fish that have never been caught in their they're naive to whatever you're throwing whether it's a ned rig a, a crawl bait but i mean just little probably two and a half three inch baits yeah. and you can go back there and have yourself time mm-hmm. getting into some untouched areas and the yeah. only way to access them you know because there is no around here public access is terrible unlike a lot of states yeah. i mean this is all you're really dealing with all farmland so there's no place to really jump off the road and go i mean you've got to you either got to have permission or you got to come in from the big water and really rough it to get back there to where you want to go yeah yeah that's true that's true you know if you can find or meet the right people to to get some access that that goes a long way for sure yeah, and, and access is probably harder to come by in both genres now. I mean, you know, fishing obviously is one thing, but then, you know, knocking on somebody's door um, to go hunting these days is is a completely different animal. I mean. Oh, it's most of the good farms are leased up. Um, mm-hmm. to, to be able to door knock free permission these days is a rare, very rare thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most of the time it's leased, and most of the time it's leased from guys that might live two, three hours away. That's what's wild. Yeah, it's almost that's like how do they up. how do they find that place that's next door to you when they're states away? You know. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that, there's good money in it for the for the farmers. I mean, it's a lot of times it can pay property taxes. Yeah. Yeah, in certain states, it definitely can. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes too, the farmers give the hunting rights with the the farm, the guy renting the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're putting in ag ground too, sometimes. So that's an interesting too. You know, sometimes it may not even be the landowner you got to talk to; it's the farmer um, who's actually mm-hmm. tilling the ground and, and working it. So, yeah, it's it's a different game. It, it makes me super duper thankful to have all the private ground I got access to back home. That's for sure. 
Yeah, and and private ground around here is all like I said. I mean, some of it's hard to access, but then a lot. There's a lot. While we're not in northern Indiana, there's still a lot that is wide open spaces. Um, and yeah. you know, for example, our farm is a very are there deer there? Absolutely, hundred percent. Are they hard yeah. to hunt? One thousand percent. Why? Because yeah. There's no trees. No, it's mostly pasture, mostly pasture or hay ground. And mm -hmm. you know where the trees are. I mean, those deer know those trees. They know something's off. They're pretty challenging. Yeah, you gotta you've gotta be able to pick out a spot on the fringes and just hope you catch them coming through at the right time. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, like I say, and, and the wind direction, like for our farm is set up terrible because if the wind's blowing out of the west. I mean, you're screwed from the get-go. Um, yeah. If it's blowing out of the north, it's it's tough too. But I mean, you just can't really win with wind direction. I mean, because it is just such a vast open place, and since everything is coming at you, it's it's just really tough to set up on. Like I said, they, they the neighbors have got some thick stuff, and they cross over into there, and that's where they bed down. But then they'll come over to our side at night to feed. So, I mean, you're really looking at setting up like a round bell blind or, or something like that to to be accurate and, and to have a chance. But, I mean, it's Yeah, tough. I mean, that's I mean, that's where you got to get creative with stuff like that. You know, take the tractor, mm -hmm. move some bales, and build you a little natural blind like that. And that's, and that's your best option whenever you're hunting a spot like that. Yep. And then... Not then like the guy down the road here from me who just there's never been a blind ever in the middle of this hay field over here. And he just went out there and stuck one right in the middle of it sticks out. Like, so I thought I saw a deer from 200 yards away, just staring and stomping on that thing the other night. I'm like, why did he ever think that was going to work? And then, I mean, like if you've got a bunch of hay bales and stuff out there, a lot of times you can get away with it or set one in the, in a, like we used to stack the bales in rows so you could, you know, move a bale, put your blind in and go from there. But you're still, you're looking at, you're looking at really needing to take a longer shot than you are with archery equipment at the end of the day, because it's a big field. I mean, you're, you're you've got to have, yeah, you've got to have something to pull them in close. I mean, if you're, you mm -hmm. know, you're going to have to get lucky if they just walk by the front of the blind in a big open spot yeah. like that there's nothing to yeah. direct their movement you know now you can you can go through and i know reed's done this at his place he went through and he of course they didn't have any cattle um but they went through and they he cut different areas and fell trees in different areas to kind of funnel the deer to come to a certain spot yeah. and it worked yeah. it was he, he made it work um, yeah, but hinge, if you've got any sort of livestock yeah. You, you can't go cutting fence. <laughs> no, you can't go cutting fence, but you know, hinge cutting and that sort of thing is definitely a good tool to direct movement where you want it. Um, mm -hmm. Something I've been kind of looking at on our farms and there's some trees that need to be thinned out anyway. Um, the uh, different things like that, different ways of, you know, mowing. So you've got a giant clover plot and mm -hmm. you want to bring the deer in. 20 25 yards and just you can till up a spot there and plant something different because deer like those hard edges too right so mm -hmm. i was listening to a podcast the other night with greg ritz and he was talking about that plant something different run a brassica mix through there where you get some turnips and radishes and stuff like that gives them a different option you know they might go out there 
pick on a bunch of clover for a while, but as they come back and go to the woods, they're going to be sure and swing over and get a couple of turnips or, or radishes or something of that nature before they, something sweet before they head into the woods. So let's see. I think, you know, I mean, how, can you tell on your camera how the food plot's doing? That's the real question. Well, I could there for a bit. Um, it was looking pretty good, but that camera hasn't generated a photo now in about eight or nine days. So I'm not sure what's going on with it. Mm. Uh, but before that, it was well, looking good pretty news good. Is, well, the good news is we may have some rain coming through the area here tomorrow. So we're sp- hoping to get some today, but it didn't. It thundered and got cloudy and carried on, but it never dropped a, never dropped a drop of rain. So yeah. hopefully your food you guys- plus will be getting water. That'd be good. You guys should see it tomorrow because I think we're supposed to see it on Thursday. So, yeah, well, I'm hoping uh, so. We need a little bit of rain. Like the creek is, uh, that was amazing. And just being back in the creek, and you could tell like we've not had any rain for a while because it freaking dropped almost a foot and a half. I mean, there was stuff back there that we were fishing the last trip and paddling over that was completely bare ground. So, you know. Yeah. A little bit of rain goes a long way, especially as we move into October and through September is the drier season here in Indiana mm-hmm. where most of the corn and everything's drying out. So we definitely need to see a little bit of rain. Yeah, it'd be good if those plots to see a little bit. I'm, I don't know if I can fix that camera from here or not being a cell camera. I'm hoping I can, but. I'm sure you can get her going. It'd be neat to see. It'd be neat to see the progress and see how far that thing's yeah. come just in a few short weeks. Yeah, it was it's thickening kind of up pretty good. It was thickening up pretty good. It was probably eight inches taller, better. Uh, the last photos I saw of it. So it's coming good, in man. pretty good. Yeah, it was coming in pretty good. I haven't seen the one there at our home place, uh, the home farm, but I'm sure if the other one's doing well, it should be doing pretty good too. I would say so. And man, I got some rain out there, so you just never know. Yeah. Rain means no work for me, Wyatt says. We're sorry, Wyatt, but it's got to rain at some point, man. Fish need uh, rain. Let's go, <laughs> go do some more dove hunting. That sounds like a blast. Yeah, some dove hunting nope. would be. No nope, no pun intended. Uh, but, yeah, I've not been dove hunting a long time, but it sounds like a good time. Yeah, I'd say we'd tear that up pretty easy. We tear something up pretty easy doing something. Oh, like I, I mean, if nothing else, I can burn up a box of shells or two. Yeah, I would say I would probably burn up a box of shells at this point because it's been a <laughs> while since I've been out and done anything like that. Uh, but I wouldn't be mad about it either. No, no. Matter I fact, do love. I do love this. I do love the smell of a good spent shotgun shell. It does. It does have an aura to it. Yes, it's got a very nice aroma. Why it says he hammered him and he's pulled after the wheat was harvested. Nice. You know. Got it. We need to get out. We need to get out more. We're not I out. need to do yeah, I need to do more bird hunts. Need to do more bird hunts. That's a that's a that's a different rabbit hole for our next podcast, though. I feel like is when we start talking about our hopes and dreams of getting into the uh upland game. Yeah, well, yeah. That's when, a we Matt, when we had Matt, when we had Matt Davis, and of course Fred on a long time ago, that yeah. was those two guys do a lot of upland hunting. Um, 
that's uh that's a dream the south dakota trip is a dream of ours and that's a rabbit hole that we should not go down at 59 minutes and 30 seconds into this podcast because we'll be here all night that's a that's a hot topic button it's kind of our fly fishing like some people enjoy fly fishing whereas we don't really care well i got a taste of i got a taste of that in colorado too and that was kind of fun but i would rather go bird hunt i think I'd like to take pictures of fly fishing. I don't like to do it. Yeah. It's just what it is. I just don't <laughs> enjoy it. It's a patient thing. It's the patient thing. It's very technical. It's very technical <clears throat> when it comes yeah, to I like that. I like the photography aspect of it. I like to see the line moving through the lens and catch the line in the different positions and, and stuff like that. I think that's cool. Um and the same thing with the bird hunting, though. I like that through the lens as well. So I think that could be yeah. another really bad habit because I like the way that quail ta- or pheasant tastes, well, and I like to take pictures of dogs. You need to you need to go delve into Matt's YouTube channel. They've been killing it on some short films on the Final Rise YouTube channel. Yeah, the Final Rise YouTube channel does have some really good stuff. I watched uh, one of the last ones they just put out with the girl that paints. What's her name? Oh yeah, Amanda. I tried to get her on here and she's very much an introvert and doesn't like to do podcast type stuff. That's okay. okay. It was cool. I mean, extremely talented. That was a, that was a great episode actually. And for people that do not follow Matt's YouTube channel, I will look that up. Final rise. It was, it was an epic yeah well and amanda's i mean she's an amazing talent with her artwork too um just painting Mm and and photography too i mean they she shoots a lot of photos but she's uh really really good with paintbrush yeah she very much is let's see share this copy and i will share this into the comments for anybody that is interested um to go check this out um from matt davis's youtube channel final rise um it's a great one so if you're looking for something to watch and they've like zach said they've got a few new videos out looks like the devil's chain uh finding focus uh, there, there's a few of them that are new that have dropped um that i haven't seen I yet the, but they're great I little the, short clip. yeah i think the devil's chain was the last one i watched it was really good too i need to mm-hmm. uh can't remember if i've seen finding focus yet or not but he's he's got a lot of good stuff on there they're really working on the content side of things right now Oh, it's awesome stuff. And if, like I said, if you like that kind of thing, definitely check those out. And I tell you, we're talking about YouTube. We're talking about YouTube. We'll jump back over to the fishing for a second. If you have not seen the Kings of Bass um, final ride with KVD series, go check that out um, about his retirement journey um, here through this last season. It's very well filmed, very well put together, worth a watch um they've always yeah, they've always out. done a very good job with the cinematic <laughs> side on the kings of bass series the kings of bass stuff is absolutely phenomenal i love it i mean it, it's there's polynic stuff and i love polynic stuff and then there's the kings of bass and it's just it's up there just a little bit yeah well, I, they're they're using i mean they're using bp bp and vandy bp and vandy are using dslrs kings of bass is using mm-hmm. something on a whole nother level <laughs> yeah like and and different stuff like that so we'll yeah go, yeah 
see here find the link to episode one i will drop that in the comments because it's just a if you haven't watched that series it's uh it's worth going and watching last ride last ride yeah it's the last ride with kvd so definitely uh definitely watch that drop this in the comments There we go. So yeah, some good YouTube watching for anybody that wants to watch some YouTubes. If you're on the hunting side, if you're on the fishing side, hit those up. You will definitely enjoy those. Um, let's see. We got anything else? We burn it down for tonight. Uh, I don't know. My brain's kind of fried at the moment, but. No, I mean, it's going to be a little bit before I'm back because I leave on the 15th, so. Yeah, so next podcast, we've got, uh, yeah, you're actually going to be gone for the next one on the 19th. Um, So, yeah, you guys are going to be stuck with me and whoever else I can find for the 19th. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be back with the Orion podcast on the 19th um, with a special co-host for that adventure. Yeah. But if nothing else, we should have some good stories when I'm back. Absolutely. I think I hope so. I hope we have some great stories when you get back. And I look forward to sitting here and we can maybe do another one-on-one podcast and you can tell those stories because I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I'm actually kind of enjoying the one-on-one podcast, to be honest with you. I hope I don't know if everybody else is, but <laughs> I sure I like it. It's fun. It's more or less just something. a you and I catch up session. Uh but it's good. No, it's a good time. Well, and, and we know, we kind of know what questions to ask each other, I guess. Well, right. Yeah, true. But I mean, none of it's scripted. So, you know, we're no. just kind of, we're still off the cuff. So I know it's scripted. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be back again on the 19th. Um, Zach will be hunting, but I will be here with another guest. And yeah, we will see you guys then. So thanks for watching. Um, check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Jackson Kayak YouTube page. Um, you can go back through and watch all the previous episodes with all the previous guests and check out the Jackson Kayak Doc Doc series as well. So with that, we will see you guys next time. Later. Chatterbait, 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 chatterbait. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from.